This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from the belly of the beast in Tallahassee. The president will be in South Florida tonight for his own version of a homecoming rally in his newly adopted state. Democrats are bringing the baby Trump balloon as part of their protest. A couple of folks well-known in Florida political circles are featured in a CBS 60 Minutes report about Russian interference in U.S. elections. The commission that screens applicants for the Florida Supreme Court will be working through the holidays to try to fill two new vacancies at the high court. Florida's attorney general is wishing you a very moody Thanksgiving, fraud and all. Our studio guest today is the new kid on the block. Reporter Renzo Downey has joined the team at FloridaPolitics.com. We get to talk to him before he becomes all jaded and cynical. We'll also have your calendar of events and tell you the story of the Florida man who was busted for armed robbery while wearing a most unusual mask. He was exfoliating. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, November 26. Donald Trump comes to Florida today for what's being described as a homecoming rally now that the president has switched his official residence from New York to Florida. The rally's being held at the BB&T Center in Sunrise, and Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz says Democrats will be out in force to protest. Before he settles into his fake permanent home in our state, he really needs to do a neighborhood apology tour here first. Uh, Because there's no one in Florida that Trump hasn't betrayed or abandoned. As we speak, Trump's lawyers are trying to destroy the Affordable Care Act in court, despite the fact that the ACA has helped millions of Floridians, especially cancer survivors like me who have a pre-existing condition, uh, who now no longer fear being denied coverage. Um, and that coverage he is trying to yank away from, from us and leave us in, 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 in health peril. Uh, and make no mistake, thousands of Floridians will die or needlessly suffer because both Trump and Governor DeSantis still refuse to expand Medicaid here. In the House, Democrats are now working on legislation to lower prescription drug costs. Where's Trump's plan? Where's his leadership on the issue? Maybe he could skip a round or two of golf and focus on our seniors for once. House Democrats have also passed legislation to defend our coasts from drilling while Trump constantly threatens it. We need an oil drilling ban, not more false promises or drilling threats from Donald Trump. Our friends and neighbors from Venezuela, El Salvador, Honduras, and Haiti have all lived under a growing insecurity or threat of deportation under Donald Trump. Perhaps he could leave Mar-a-Lago and talk to some of the people that he regularly demonizes, rather than making their life a living hell. And as we all sit at tables to break bread with friends and family this week, let's remember that Trump consistently proposes cuts to food stamps and energy assistance, and that's something that no one should be thankful for. And instead of looking out for the least fortunate or working families, Trump's tax scam cuts went overwhelmingly to the top 1% in Florida. Instead of confronting climate change, which we know is already inflicting pain on Florida's coasts, I have neighborhoods in my district. I just drove through one yesterday that when it is bright and sunny and not even king tide, just normal high tide, our streets flood. Trump's pandering to polluters and making our air and water dirtier, whether it's by gutting regulations or opening up new lands to energy exploitation, is going to make life worse for Floridians. And he is doing absolutely nothing to mitigate that. Let's also not forget that the president has yet to take meaningful action on serious firearm reform. We're just miles away from his rally. An entire community is still recovering from the nightmare of mass gun violence. To say nothing of the forgotten mass shooting from the year before at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport, where five people were gunned down by someone who flew clear across the country with only a weapon in his bag and open fire on them in the baggage claim area. 
With that abysmal record, Democrats have a lot to point to in 2020. There's no path to victory for Trump without Florida, and they know it. And aside from playing more golf and running away from New York taxes and prosecutors, that's why he is interested in spending so much more time here. Florida's statewide elections are and will continue to be decided by tiny margins, and Florida is clearly in play. Let's face it, we won two of the last three presidential elections, and high turnout usually favors Democrats, and experts predict an enormous turnout this cycle. I'm confident that Trump's anti-Florida record and the unethical and corrupt way that he runs his administration, which we've heard a mountain, a mountain of evidence about recently, will put Florida firmly in the blue column. I've witnessed so much energy and passion on the ground in my district and around the state. This is the most important election in our lifetime, uh, before or since, and our voters know it. And they'll be there in November next year to vote for the Democratic nominee for president. Trump's homecoming rally is taking place in her congressional district. And Wasserman Schultz says most of the people there do not support the president or his policies. I think Donald Trump, with his massive abuse of power, with his flagrant violation of federal law in, in trying to um, get a president of a foreign country in, in Ukraine to, uh, to investigate his political opponents and encourage interference in our uh, presidential election next year um, by a foreign country yet again, um, I think, and I know because I represent this community, um, that our people find his conduct offensive, uh, outrageous, and this is a community that he is coming to that certainly won't welcome him with open arms. Um, I expect that, you know, diehard Republicans who have cared, have decided they care more about holding on to power than they do about doing the right thing, um, will, uh, will, will come to the, to the BB&T yeah. Center uh, to hear him. But, you know, this is not friendly territory, and I, I can assure you that uh, how we feel about it. Donald Trump in Broward County is going to be made very clear when he arrives. The Florida Democratic Party will welcome the president by holding a three-hour rally outside the arena where he'll be speaking. That rally includes that 20-foot-tall baby Trump balloon first used by protesters in the U.K. It depicts the president as an angry orange baby wearing a diaper and holding a smartphone. A couple of Floridians had their moments of fame on 60 Minutes this week in a story by correspondent Bill Whitaker on Russian interference in the 2016 elections. It wasn't just the presidential race. Whitaker says the Russians meddled in five congressional races in Florida by releasing a treasure trove of internal documents stolen from the Democrats by a Russian military unit created to influence the campaign. State Senator Annette Tadeo of Miami was running for Congress that year and lost her primary by 700 votes after the document dump. I was on my way to... Uh TV debate, live TV debate, and I get the call about the fact that not only were we hacked, but our information is now public from our polling to our mail plan. In addition to that, the entire path to victory. It's your game plan. Yes. My opponent, Joe Garcia, showed up at that debate with a printout of all the documents. We've seen a lot here, but this was, this was a foreign government. This was so much bigger. You know, I've been told by a lot of people, you should stop talking about this. It's, it's really not good for you politically to remind people that you lost. But I refuse to stop talking about it because again, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. And it didn't happen to me, it happened to our democracy. 
Another Floridian in that 60 Minutes piece is Mark Caputo, who used to cover Tallahassee for the Miami Herald and is now a national correspondent for Politico. He was one of the reporters who used that information before people knew it came from the Russians. This is a state where elections are cited by a percentage point or so, a coin toss. Add the Russians onto that and you're looking at a real problem. You played a role in disseminating this stolen information. I have a role to play as a reporter covering campaigns, and sometimes that information comes to us from a variety of sources, and in this case, it came to us from a source right at the edge of being unusable. But ultimately, we decided, well, this tells a legitimate story about how these campaigns view their own candidates, and voters have a right to that information. But the most distressing part of Bill Whitaker's story is the conclusion that the Russians never stopped interfering and that they'll be doing even better at gaming the American political system in 2020. Now that the Florida Supreme Court Justices Robert Luck and Barbara Lagoa have been confirmed by the U.S. Senate to serve on a federal appeals court in Atlanta, Florida has to find two more judges for the state's highest court. Daniel Nordby chairs the Florida Supreme Court Nominating Commission, and they'll have to work around the upcoming holidays. I anticipate a formal request to convene will be sent to us shortly as Justices Lagoa and Luck formally submit their resignations and receive their federal commissions to the 11th Circuit. With the Thanksgiving holiday approaching, though, I didn't want us to lose any time in advertising the vacancies once we are requested to convene. My preference would be to to set the application deadline as we have in the past, about a month after we uh, formally advertise the openings to provide a significant opportunity for potential applicants to put together the application. We can all tentatively block off time immediately after the application deadline to meet either in person or on the phone to discuss the applicant list and to decide on interviews and and principal vetting. And then uh, I think we should all plan uh, for the likelihood of several days of interviews and deliberations during the last week or two before the, the deadline to nominate Um, perhaps in multiple locations around the state, depending on where the applicants come from. Is it your intention to try to uh, avoid the holidays for any specific deadline? Yeah, I I think it would depend somewhat on when the letter comes. If the letter comes today, for example, the application deadline would be Christmas Day. Um, You know, that... uh, that could be could be fine, but I'd I'd hope to the extent we can, we could minimize the the burden of the holidays on potential applicants and and on the commissioners. Um, it's it's just a reality of the calendar, though, that there are going to be some difficulties at the end of this year and, and the beginning of next. But uh, for example, if if we got the application in the next couple of days, had an app had an application deadline sometime uh, in the last uh, week or so of December. And then uh, our interviews and deliberations would take place in mid to late January. Uh, we'd be able to get the governor some names on that on that time frame. If all goes according to plan, the commission could forward a list of potential replacements to the governor by the end of January. With Thanksgiving just two days away, Florida's attorney general is taking time out to remind us what the holiday is all about, like fraud. This is the video Ashley Moody's staff posted on YouTube. Happy holidays. I'm Ashley Moody, Florida's Attorney General. Most Floridians recognize many of the traditional holidays, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, and New Year's. But now there are more shopping holidays associated with the season that are quickly gaining popularity. Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and Giving Tuesday 
are opportunities to find a deal, support local businesses, or give to a worthy cause. They also present more openings for Grinches trying to steal your holiday cheer. But we've got you covered. Check out our 2019 Holiday Consumer Protection Guide to help protect yourself from Scrooges and scam artists. Our guide is full of secure online shopping tips, wise giving guidelines, information on toy recalls, and much more to make your holiday shopping experience more joyful. To download the Holiday Consumer Protection Guide, visit myfloridalegal.com. And if the Grinch tries to steal your Christmas, put him on our naughty list by calling 866-9-NO-SCAM. Reporting fraud and taking steps to protect yourself online will ensure a better holiday season for you and your family and will help us build a stronger, safer Florida. Happy holidays, everyone. And now that we're all in a festive holiday spirit, get ready to welcome the new kid on the block. That's next on Sunrise from Florida Politics. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. We're back with Sunrise and our guest in the studio today is Renzo Downey, who is the brand new face at FloridaPolitics.com covering the state capitol. And he's just... He's a youngin. He's like fresh out of everything. He hasn't been corrupted by the system yet. He's not cynical. He's not burned out. So he brings a fresh perspective to FloridaPolitics.com. Welcome, Renzo. Hi, good to be here. So what is it that brought you to Tallahassee? How did this all come about? Well, uh, I was in Austin, Texas earlier this year. <clears throat> which is a fine town for news. Absolutely. Right. And I was there covering the legislative session. And that, that was kind of set up as an internship. And then unemployed for a little bit and made well, my way over to here. journalism. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, first real job out of college. Wow, you must actually be excited to do this then. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm green. I'm ready to go. Now, green just means you're fresh. Don't yeah. worry, green is a good thing. So you've been covering for about what three weeks now up at the, up at the state capitol. Yeah, this is the start of my third week. So what what have you had a chance to cover that you thought, hey, that was pretty neat. Uh, well, believe it or not, uh, coming from Texas, I feel like the committee hearings are just so much more efficient here. Really? And that may just be because I've only seen the the pre-session stuff, the stuff that's already kind of fast-tracked. Right. But uh, that, that's been surprising to me, honestly. But uh, beyond that, uh, the uh, March for Our Lives kids were uh, at the Capitol and uh, – they were sponsoring some legislation yeah. and just I, that's like a national movement. And yeah, get, get used to that. They'll be tugging <laughs> at your heartstrings a lot during the upcoming session. Yeah. And being there, seeing it actually happening. And it's something that people beyond Florida would be paying attention to. It's it good to be able to cover that. Well, I have to tell you from a news standpoint, you've picked the right town. I mean, Tallahassee is a small town. Let's be honest about that. But 
it's a big town for news. You know, every every stupid story that comes out of Florida usually has a Tallahassee dateline on it. So it, you get to the advantage of growing up in a small town or doing your job in a small town, but still being in a big news venue. So you'll you'll cover some of the biggest stories. You'll cover a lot of national stories here. And uh, I think it'll be quite the eye-opening experience for you. Now, is there anything in particular, you have a specialty or something that you worked on in the past, something you want to pursue? Like, what, what is it that makes Renzo tick? Well, I was focusing a bit on criminal justice and, and the like in Austin, but as of yet, I don't have a beat. Uh, we'll, we'll see if... It's the big white building down there. Right. That's the beat. <laughs> Just anything that comes comes through there, I guess. But, I mean, I, I imagine something will be uh, designated for me. I, I don't know. Eventually it yeah. will. So have, have the other reporters you run into been, been respectful and, and treated you properly, or would you like to unload on any of them in specific <laughs> right now? Yeah, no, everybody's been great and welcoming. Okay. So long term, what are you what kind of career goals do you have? What are you, what are you looking at doing? Well And I realize it's unfair to put you on this is like your first job. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, think long range now. <laughs> Part of being a journalist is planning for the future. Yeah, well, coming out of college, my idea was cover a, a state capital and kind of use that as a way to build experience and Eventually, it'd be nice to get to D.C., but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. D.C. is not as fun. because I mean, here you can actually walk right up to right. a senator or representative or the governor at times and ask him questions. You don't get that kind of easy access up there, especially if, if they say, oh, you're, you're from where? You're not with the Post or the Times or one of the big newspaper networks or – nah. But Tallahassee gives you the chance to see those folks up close and personal and get – well, I, I hate to say it this way, but I like to tell people I get within stabbing distance of the governor every day that I want to. So, yeah, you're, you're here in the, in the uh, prime time. Yeah, when, it, when you're in the state capitol, there are fear of the reporters running around, so each individual one makes a bigger difference. Yeah, and you are joining the few, the proud, and you know the ones who are left right now. The, the Capitol Press Corps is probably about a third of the size as it was in previous years. And that's why we rely so much on new blood to keep things going. I'm glad you're with us, and welcome to Florida Politics. Well, thank you. Great to have you in the studio, Renzo. Appreciate it. On your calendar of events today, the Committee on Governments, Government Relations, and Internal Affairs at the University of Florida Board of Trustees is meeting at 11 a.m. in Tigard Hall in Gainesville. Donald Trump will hold a campaign event in Broward County. They're calling it a homecoming rally because Trump recently changed his residency from New York to Florida, where he's long-owned property in Palm Beach County. Its scheduled start time is 7 p.m. at the BB&T Center in Sunrise. And House Republican leader Dane Eagle speaks to the Cape Coral Republican Club at Rusty's Raw Bar beginning at 7 tonight. He's running for the open Congressional District 19 seat in southwest Florida. Finally, it's time once again for the misadventures of Florida Man, who apparently has a skincare regimen. And talk about a great mugshot, too. A Florida man arrested on a charge of armed robbery was wearing an exfoliating mask when he was busted by Sarasota County deputies. Witnesses say 23-year-old Trenton Richardson loaded a shopping cart with merchandise from a store in Osprey, then fled through an emergency exit without paying. When he was confronted outside, the suspect held the victim at gunpoint while he loaded the merch into a car driven by a young woman. Richardson was arrested after deputies found his fingerprints at the scene. He's charged with robbery with a firearm. The 17-year-old driver's been turned over to juvie, and the missing merch has been recovered. 
Finally, an exotic dancer at Sensations in Clearwater is charged with battery and disorderly conduct after kicking a club manager three times, including a shot to the groin. 35-year-old Lakeisha Ortiz got mad when the boss asked her to leave, began throwing glasses and beer bottles. When the manager and a bouncer tried to calm her down, they say she responded by kicking the manager in the crotch with her high-heeled stripper shoes and then kicking him again in the stomach. The third kick came as she was being escorted out of the club by police and managed to get in one final shot. Now, 90 minutes later, a man drove to the Largo Police Department to complain. Problem number one, the arrest was actually made by Clearwater Police. Problem two, he'd been drinking, so the Largo Police busted him on a DUI charge. His blood alcohol level was about twice the legal limit. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. We'll be back again tomorrow with a new installment. Until then, I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics.